0: Uh, Good morning, Beaches Chapel. Thank you so much for joining us this morning as we continue to look at the Beatitudes. I hope you guys are doing great at home. I hope you're adjusting to everything. I hope you're getting as antsy as me as returning back to normal. But we do want to say thank you so much for joining us for this morning's service. It's such an honor to be here this morning and to to preach. Um, I I can't thank Pastor James enough for this opportunity. Um, I will say it's a little uh, odd preaching to an empty room. You know, I'll come right out and say it. Uh, it's, it's strange. It's, it's not something that I've done before. Um, I am thankful for Robert being here because my biggest fear has always been that uh, I would say something stupid while I was preaching, but now I have the rare opportunity to, if I slip up and say something stupid, Robert can edit it out. Like what an amazing opportunity we have here this morning. So this might be the best thing ever with a bunch of edits. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, hopefully you're caught up on the sermon series that James has been doing. Um, he's been talking about the Beatitudes, and he's been, talking, uh, been going through each one. He talked about, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then he talked about, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And then last week he had a great sermon on, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth and he talked about Matthew 26 and, and, and I loved what he said about uh, meekness is strength under control. And that really resonated with me and that really made me feel like I got an understanding of what it is because that's exactly what meekness is. And I loved the, the story he used of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and praying there. And, and I'll tell you why that's my favorite story in the Bible. Uh, a couple of years ago... I was digging into that passage and I really got into the verse where Jesus was praying and he was saying, if you can take this from me, do it. But if not, not my will, but your will be done. And when I read that a couple years ago, I could not get that out of my head. I could not get that out of my heart. And I started implementing those eight words into my prayer life. Not my will, but your will be done. And I have to tell you that my entire life changed when I started praying those words. So I challenge you, add those words into your prayer life and see what happens because it totally changes your perspective. It totally changes your outlook on your situation when you're now looking through the lens of God's will in your life. So I just want to thank James for that. That was a great sermon last week. And so fortunately, the next beatitude that we're going to be talking about is the Beatitude that says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, okay? And that's in Matthew 5, 6. And the thing about knowing that you're gonna be preaching about hunger and thirst for righteousness is that that just stays in your head throughout your day. And I've known for like a month that this was gonna be what I was talking about. So everything I did for the last month, I was thinking hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I have to tell you that it was a massive challenge, It was very challenging going through life now thinking, am I hungering and thirsting for righteousness or am I doing what Jason wants to do? And I got to say, thank you, Pastor James, for putting that on me. I really appreciate that burden for the last month. So the Beatitudes have always stood out to me as a great part of scripture. Uh, Jesus preaching um, was one of his longest sermons he ever had. Um, It really set up the canon for the Christian faith. It really kind of tells Christians how we ought to act. and, and, And they're blessed, and it's a promise. It's an action with a promise. And this one we're looking at today in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, For they will be filled. I had a coach when I was playing football, Coach Eddie, and he had this famous quote. He said, Don't overcook the grits, meaning don't overthink it, don't overcomplicate it. You look at what it is, react. And in this verse, I feel like sometimes we can overcook the grits. This is not a complicated verse of scripture. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. And blessed are those that do it. Now we do have to kind of figure out what righteousness is and we do have to figure out what it means to be filled. But besides that, it's pretty straightforward. Being righteous is in right standing with God. It's it's basically the opposite, the antonym of sinning, not sinning. Okay, righteousness, being, being like Jesus. Jesus was the only one who was in right standing as a human on earth. And so Basically, what he's saying is blessed are those who are trying to be like Jesus. Blessed are those that are following the law and that are doing the things that they ought to do. So it's not that complicated, right? Um, Before intermittent fasting was a thing and before processed foods that would make you feel full for eight hours and ten hours were a thing, you know, people in biblical times were more than likely pescatarians, right? They didn't have refrigerators to store fat slabs of red meat to put on the grill, right? Most of their diet consisted of fish and nuts and grains and lentils and olives and things like that. And the thing about eating those things is, is they're good for you, but you're kind of hungry in a couple hours, right? They don't really fill you up all day like some of these mega meals do nowadays, so when Jesus is talking about hunger, he, you know, they're, they're seeing it as they're hungry every couple of hours. Uh, if you grew up in my household growing up with my two siblings and myself, uh, you can ask my mom. Uh, we were literally always hungry. All, there was never a moment that we weren't hungry. After dinner, we were hungry. When we woke up, we were hungry. Now, what if we had that same type of outlook on our actions? And what type of person that we're trying to be? Are we striving always to do the right thing? Because God says there's a promise for that. If we pursue righteousness, if we pursue Jesus, then he promises that, he will, that we will be filled. And that, that promise, that's the real kicker in this verse. See, you have to consume the right things to be filled. If you eat junk food, um, if, you, if you just do whatever you want to do with your diet, then you're not going to be fi- filled. You're always going to be hungry. You're always going to be pursuing your next meal to get you satisfied because you didn't do the things that you should have done. You were pursuing the wrong things and you weren't filled. And that's a great analogy for sometimes how we pursue things in life, trying to fill ourselves, right? We, we pursue the wrong things pursuits. We go after the wrong things in life trying to fill something in us and then we never end up totally filled. And there's different types of empty voids out there that can be filled. Some people um, are content with God and they're filled pretty close to the top, 90%, 99% content with God, but there's still that 1% inside them that they're trying to do on their own that they're trying to do, and they're trying to fill on their own. Some people are just completely empty. Some people are out there lost, looking to fill their emptiness with whatever the world has to offer. And we have this common theme when we're talking to students in the student ministry, and we tell them all the time, the world does not care about your happiness. The world cares about your money. And if they can sell you something, To make you happy temporarily, that's their goal. Because then they can get you in this never-ending cycle of spending money, temporary happiness, back to emptiness, to spending money, temporary happiness, to emptiness. That's the cycle the world wants because then they can get the most amount of money out of you. So if you go to these worldly fixes to be filled, then you're just stuck in that cycle. And they'll do everything they can. There's all sorts of propaganda to sell you that these worldly things will fill you. Even though we know they're destructive, there's science, there's anecdotal evidence that tells us and shows us that these things are destructive and they will not make you happy in the long run. Yet we continue to go after the same things because they're easy and they're comfortable. We've become a culture of of instant dopamine and instant gratification where the second we feel not content, we feel the need to go instantly to the things that we know will make us feel better temporarily. Some people are facing giants in their life, whatever they may be in your life. Some of them um, addiction, some of them uh, fear, anger, fear of the future, a need for the approval of man. We all have these giants in our life and and we all understand the need for a savior, but sometimes we feel like we need to take it upon ourselves to defeat these giants. Pastor Louis Giglio out of Passion City Church in Atlanta uh, has written a book called uh, uh, Goliath Must Fall. And, And in that book, he has a theme of David and Goliath. And he talks about so many times as Christians, and we look at David and Goliath, you know, we identify with David and then our, our, our giant in our life, whatever we're facing, we put on Goliath. But, and, and we think that, all right, if I can just get the right stones, if I can just get the right sling, if I can just get good enough at, at slinging these stones and I can have the right accuracy and the right power and the right trajectory, and I get lucky enough, I might be able to take my giant down. But in reality, we're not David at all. Jesus was David. Jesus came and he slayed our giants for us. He did the things to get us out of those situations. He paid the debt. When he died on the cross and he came and lived a perfect life, he took care of the giants in our life. So we don't have to fight those battles. We don't have to put it on us. We need to look at our relationship with God and we need to analyze our faith. Or sometimes... Our lack of faith. Because let's be honest. um, If we are turning, if if we're getting stressed out and we're turning to the things of this world to fill our emptiness and to fill our void and to fill us up, that's a lack of faith. Because we're saying, God, I don't trust you enough to take care of this problem or to make me happy or to make me content, but I do trust myself and I trust my experiences and I trust my past and I trust what I've seen. That's a lack of faith. We know drugs Alcohol, um, habitual destructive behaviors, pornography, overindulgence, narcissism, pride. We know all of these things are not good for us and they're bad for us, yet we still continue to look to them to fill these voids in our life like they're the solution. when in reality, God tells us the solution: hunger and thirst for righteousness. In Matthew 16:33. God promises to provide. He says, "But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well." See, this is a, this is actually a very popular scripture because the next verse goes on to say, "Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself." Right, and and every day has enough problems on its own, and 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 we love quoting that verse. And we, I mean, especially me, that's my favorite procrastination verse. If there's something I don't want to do until tomorrow, you know what? Today has enough problems as its own. I'll deal with today and deal with that tomorrow. Right? But in reality, that's missing the context of this verse. The context says, "But seek first his kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you." Seek his righteousness. So if that void is is actual need in your life financially emotionally physically then Matthew 16 33 says first before you try to solve the problem on your own seek his kingdom and his righteousness so you see that's the solution that's the answer to our problem that's the ant that's the answer to our emptiness we can look at people all throughout the bible who have decided to lean on Jesus 100% to fill them and chased after righteousness. Paul, the author of most of the New Testament, is one of my favorite. He he did things like called himself a prisoner of Christ, prisoner for Christ when he was in prison, singing worship songs when he was chained up in a dungeon, had said things like to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, that is someone who is full of, of God, full of the Holy Spirit in relying on him. To pursue righteousness, the desire to be in right standing with God, the desire to do good, that in itself is righteousness. It's the pursuit. None of us are perfect. None of us can do it on our own. The pursuit of righteousness is righteousness. And that's why Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. In John 14, 15, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. He says, if you love me and keep my commandments, I will send the Holy Spirit to be with you. See, Jesus is saying the same thing in all of these verses. God is willing. God is there for you. He is willing to fill you. He is willing to sustain you in all these times, but it it, it takes you to desire it. He's willing to offer the Holy Spirit for wisdom and knowledge and understanding and a better relationship with God, but it takes you pursuing it. It takes you with the hunger. The Bible says, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever answers, I'll come in and dine with them. Jesus doesn't open the door, but he's right there on the other side. And it takes you getting up, going to the door, and accepting it. That's the hunger. That's the thirst that he's talking about. See, this is the essence of Christianity. This is it. Look, none of us are perfect, and there's a lot of empty Christians out there because they haven't understood that you have to have this need and this hunger and this thirst for God to transform your life. We call this the motive for godly living. And this answers the age-old question of why bother living a good life if we're all saved by grace? Well, the reason why is because you become filled. Empty Christians are ones who claim to be Christians and they even understand there's a need for a relationship with God. They even understand that they have a need for a savior, but they lack that hunger and thirst that drives them closer to God, that fills them and gives them a purpose and leads them into God's will. if you don't have a relationship with God, all it takes is a willing heart. If you feel like you have a void in your heart that you've been trying to fill with every other alternative and and every other solution that the world has to offer and you just feel empty, then all it takes is a willing heart. God is there. God wants to be in your life, but Just like he talks about in the previous Beatitudes that we've talked about, that James was preaching about in the last couple weeks. It's a two-way relationship. It takes something out of you. It takes a transformation of your heart in order to obtain these blessings. Whether we're talking about being meek, whether we're talking about mourning, whether we're talking about being poor in spirit, or whether we're talking about hunger and thirsting for righteousness, it all kind of has the same principle. It takes us taking the scope off of us and putting it on God. It takes taking us out of the center of attention. It takes us taking ourselves out of being central to everything going on and realizing that God is the one who transforms our lives. God is our savior. And he sent Jesus to be an example of righteousness on how to act and what to do and what good is. And he sent the Holy Spirit to be a comforter and, 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 to, and to give wisdom and knowledge and understanding. The Bible is full of, of things that, that teach us how to do good and how to treat people. See, the Beatitudes are great because they throw out the old thoughts of Christianity, of legalism and, and having to do certain things to be right with God. It's No, it's about our relationship with God and about treating others the way we would treat ourselves. And that's why Jesus said, when asked, the most important commandment, love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. See, that sums up the 10 commandments. That sums up righteousness. That sums up being good. If you ever have the thought to yourself, what does it take to be righteous? What does it take to do the right thing, to be in right standing with God? We don't have to look any further then Jesus' answer to the Pharisee that was trying to trap him by saying, What's the greatest commandment? He says, Look, you can sum up righteousness in these two things love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the only filter you need to put your actions, your decisions, and your thoughts through. Does it satisfy and meet those two criteria? If you have never had the thirst or hunger for righteousness, if you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, if you've never made that decision that you wanted to start being in right standing with God, then today is a perfect opportunity. If you would bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for this fresh perspective on our own lives as we're as we're social distancing and we're sitting around with our families and and we're, and we're pondering our next move, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to identify and to analyze our relationship with you. Lord, I ask for that desire. Lord, we ask for that hunger and that thirst to pursue righteousness and to do the things that we know we ought to do, and to do the things that glorify you. Thank you so much for this time to be able to look at this great scripture. Open our hearts and our minds to do these things so that in the future we become cleaner vessels and we chase after you in a whole new way. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you guys so much for being here. Look, if you have a gift for the church, you can give online, you can give on the app, you can drop it off in the church office. They're open from nine to two during the week. You can come give it there. If you have prayer requests, let us know. We are always praying for you guys. We love you guys so much. We cannot wait till we can meet again and be all together as a church family. I hope you have a great and a blessed day and thank you so much for watching.